pilots, what's the scariest stuff you've seen while flying? My dad told me a story from a few years ago that happened while flying a 737 somewhere in Nevada I think on the way back to Toronto. It was later in the evening, so you couldn't see too much, but all of a sudden to the left of the plane my dad saw a really bright ball of light I guess you could say, moving really fast across the sky. My dad and his co-pilot had no clue what it was, and they could hear other pilots nearby calling it in over the radio and asking what it was. Eventually it flew past and disappeared into the distance. A few days later my dad found out that what he saw was a missile launched by a USN submarine. I wonder how many passengers thought they saw UFO lol. I wonder how many passengers thought they saw UFO lol. Well, if they couldn't identify the object but saw it was flying, then they would be right. A skydiver about 20 yards off my wing was flying a 172 into an uncontrolled field that I've flown into 100 times before, not knowing that after a 5 year ban and skydiving there, they were allowing it on a case by case request. While flying in, calling my position, I hear skydiver in the air. My first thought was I hope they aren't this direction and then there he was. I had this image of him going through my prop. After that thought oh god please don't let me kill this guy then I turned to WTF just happened and how did the pilot not call this out better. He flew off completely. Come to find out the pilot was flying his friend to skydive to his local field then departed to his home airport where they came from. I never did find the guy. Weird, I just posted this from the other side of the coin. Not the same incident though unless you were the one flying over Flagler Airport in Florida back then. It had been an active drop zone for years though so I'm sure you were somewhere else. Smoke in the cockpit when I landed. Thankfully it was when I landed. Had to push the airplane. Small Cessna. Off the runway. Almost had two mid-air collisions. One due to a new pilot not being where he should be. Another due to control telling me an aircraft was at me 11 o'clock when really it was at me 2 o'clock. And the coolest was a beta that burned up directly in front of me. Same altitude. Straight ahead. I have no idea how far away it was. But it was bright. And so pretty. Went through a spectrum of colors as it burned. Not a pilot. But my dad is a former one. He once told me about how he almost crashed his Cessna because he hit some geese. He was actually preparing for a landing approach when he hit geese flying in a patch of fog. Windshield was completely shattered and he and his passenger were covered in blood and feathers. They landed safely, but my dad was pretty scarred from that. He didn't quit flying because of that, but bird strikes remained a constant fear of his. Geese are large birds and they did significant damage to that little plane. Considering what they can do to larger planes, see, that incident in 2009 that involved landing in the Hudson, I shudder to think what they could do to a smaller craft. Not a pilot but I was in the bathroom when the pilot came over the radio with a quick announcement that we were about to have turbulence and to buckle up. Everyone sat down, including the stewardesses and buckled up. Everyone but me who was in the process of taking a massive crap. The kind of crap you don't want to have during turbulence. Now I've been in turbulence. It's rough. This was something else. I somehow, by all that was mighty, finished my crap and completed the post crap paperwork darts and flushed. Didn't wanna chance it. When the turbulence hit, to say I hit everything is an understatement. I bounced off the ceiling, hit the floor, back up, face to the toilet. It was heck and I just kept my face covered and I protected my head as best I could. After a bit of luck, 
I managed to get myself wedged under the toilet and I stayed there till the bumpy ride ended. I left the bathroom to some laughter, and a lot of concern. See for them in their seats it was fine, until they heard screaming in the bathroom, and loud crashing noises followed by dread silence. They all thought I died, haha. <laughs> I was on one flight where they announced anyone with hot drinks, please pour them out on the floor, everyone else, cover your beverages with your hand. My sibling asked our great uncle this once. He was a commercial pilot for 30 years. Hey Uncle Mike, what's the weirdest thing you saw while flying a plane? God, he went to take a nap right after that. Dang, he literally refused to elaborate any further hug. Navy carrier pilot here. My story is more about what I couldn't see. I joined a squadron on deployment near Guam for a couple months one time. It had been about 6 months since I had landed on a carrier. So I had to do a few day and night passes to get current again. My first night with them. The plan was for me to get two traps. We would come down as the first plane in the recovery, launch again, and come back in as the last plane in the recovery. Nothing crazy. We do it all the time to keep both pilots current. The only thing different is I would fly both passes. This night was overcast, so no moonlight made it though to the surface of the ocean, making it very dark when you descend through the clouds. It's also the middle of the ocean. It is so dark that you can't tell where the water ends and the sky starts. Not that it mattered though because we were still in the clouds down at 1200 feet. As we are coming down first in the conga line of aircraft on 2 minute intervals. We hear paddles. The pilots on the back of the ship who help guide you down. Say 99. The deck is moving. This means that the flight deck is pitching, rolling, and or heaving with the ship's motion more than it usually does. This happens occasionally, and it's always a bit sketchy, but that's what paddles is there for. Anyway, as we are flying our needles down toward the ship, we pass 400 featuring at about 1 mile and we're still in the clouds in the dark. We get to the normal handoff point between the approach controller and paddles at 3 stroke 4 mile. Approach says show you on and on. 3 stroke 4 mile. Call the ball. This is the point where we would look outside and confirm that we see the lights on the ship that guide you in on the correct glide slope. In carrier aviation, if you can't see the ball or you don't know where you are on glide slope for some reason, you say Clara, meaning clarify my position, at least that's what I always assumed it stood for, and paddles will step in on the radio and give you some help. Well in this case, we can't even see the ship, so we respond with Clara's ship. Paddles comes back with 601 taxi light on that means they can't see us either and they need us to turn the taxi light on so they know where we are we turn the taxi light on and paddles says paddles contact and continues to talk us down towards the deck we're probably passing though 150 featuring here eventually we finally break out and about three five seconds later we hit the deck and come to a stop it was raining so hard we could barely see the taxi director on the deck they taxi us to the bow catapults and we shoot off into the darkness to do it again lol. Luckily, the weather cleared a bit and the deck steadied a bit for the second pass. That still remains the craziest thing I have done in an airplane. TLDR. Night. IMC Belomans. Pitching deck carrier landing on my night Rayquel flight. Frankly, I don't know how you do this. Take off land on carriers in all weather. I think some people must be wired for this kind of work. To me, it's terrifying to even watch it. Great description, though. Easy to follow and imagine. Stay safe out there. 
flying a Cessna 172 with my instructor out toward Blythe on the way to San Diego hangar when a sandstorm blew up underneath us. I swear the sand was so close it was causing the landing gear tires to spin. This was on a three-leg check flight we had landed at Big Bear, California for fuel and a hot low-pressure system moved in pretty quick. It was moving in as we were getting there, like really really hot 120 degrees or so and the air was already really thin. A kid in his solo was taking off and he got her up off the end of the runway and he just fell out of the sky and crashed. Air was too thin because of the heat and he ran out of runway because he couldn't get up to speed and just pulled up instead of listening to tower and aborting. Crashed and died. I had a near miss with a twin engine that was flying at the wrong altitude in the opposite direction. Imagine oncoming traffic one lane over. It was that close. Now imagine it a speed difference of about 300 knots. The sucker hadn't said a word on the radio, so I had no idea he was even in the area until he was behind me. Navy helicopter pilot here. I've got two that would be a tie. One, hearing a once per revolution thumping coming from the rotor head. Then on approach to land the torque gauges went dead, indicating a double engine failure. Luckily the engines were still running, unlike the gauges. Two, hearing the rotor RPM suddenly decrease for no known reason. Followed up by a master warning indicating an engine failure. Engine restarted itself a moment later and it was all good. Still crap myself though. Also teaching people to land on ships at night is just generally terrifying. Helicopters are only held up by magic and hope and no one can convince me otherwise. I'm not a pilot but I took a few lessons years ago just for the experience. We were practicing landings and as we lined up with the runway we started our final. As we're going down the instructor notices a shadow on the ground slightly to our right. It was another plane going to land on our runway and was above us. We had radioed our intentions earlier but don't know if he did. The instructor took over and peeled off. The guy didn't land just kept going. We circled and came in. Apparently no one saw a dang thing. Flight simulator are Not a pilot, but AF combat systems officer. We were on a military training route. Pretty much what it sounds like, airspace that is supposed to be cleared out so military jets can practice maneuvers without worrying too much about civilian aircraft. We're at 300 feet AGL cruising along at 420 knots when our TCAS, collision alert system using onboard radar, starts blaring at us. We all look around and don't see anything around us, when suddenly some jackbutt in a little prop clean, who wasn't squawking. Pulls into a climb about 50 feet off our nose. Pilot brakes hard to the right and we narrowly avoided a mid-air collision. That probably gave them a good shake and hopefully scared them out of ever doing that again. My airfield where I did my pilot training had a waterway at the approach end of the runway. And oftentimes there were sailboats heading out to sea as you were coming into land. Usually came in a little high, since the runway was plenty long enough. One day, not long after I had completed my first solo, I was doing my run-up, waiting for one of the regular pilots to land his low-winged sport airplane. He obviously, didn't see the mast of the sailboat crossing, and he hit it. The plane cartwheeled down the runway and broke into pieces. I took my plane back to the tide downs to clear the area, and then went to help him out of the plane before it caught on fire, which it didn't amazingly enough. The pilot broke both of his hands at the wrists and fractured a whole bunch of stuff. Unfortunately, he was a surgeon. Not sure if he was able to work again. Needless to say, I was always very careful on approach after that. 
Unfortunately, he was a surgeon. Not sure if he was able to work again. My sister is a surgeon, and she carries an incredible amount of insurance in case she breaks her hands in such a way that she has to stop working. I think it is some number of millions of dollars. A helicopter about 30-40 feet off my wing. I landed at an uncontrolled field, and as I was making my radio calls coming in, I heard a helicopter also coming in to land and refuel. I didn't need to refuel, so once I landed and did the checklist I turned around and went back to the end of the runway. The end I was taking off happened to be the opposite end of where the fuel farm was. I waited for a couple of other planes to land, including a beautiful red biplane. Made all the radio calls like you're supposed to, taxied out onto the runway and took off. As I was going over the far end of the runway, near the fuel farm, suddenly my iPad screamed at me warning traffic 9 o'clock 100 feet below. I was like WTAF and hauled the yoke over to the right, whereupon I see a helicopter shoot up past my left wing. Why a closer than you should ever be to another aircraft? Dumbass finished refueling and then just took off without making any radio calls or listening to anyone else's radio calls, apparently. Many choice words were said over the radio by me. The guy lined up to take off after me goes So yeah, that was fun. I always keep a side eye on helicopters after that little bit of excitement. I was landing a Cessna 172 and this massive blue heron appeared out of nowhere and just barely missed hitting my windshield. I don't think I've ever been more scared. In bright. Victoria, Australia there was a magpie which hung out in the paraglider landing zone. Everybody got attacked but it was always at the point where you have to focus so you just ignore the bird and keep flying. Not a pilot, but my daddies. That said, we were flying out of Las Vegas and upon takeoff we nearly collided with another aircraft. This other guy never radioed into tower, never mentioned anything about landing. Just off in his own little world as if he owned the freaking air. He was in a twin engine beach. We were in a single prop Cessna. We were literally within 200 feet of each other, enough that we could see one another, and could probably smell the crap we were crapping out. Except their pilot. Because that guy was so freaking clueless he probably didn't even know there was a runway there. I wouldn't be surprised if he was trying to land on the actual Las Vegas trip. Not a pilot but this happened on a commercial flight and we were never told what actually happened. The cabin started becoming visibly smoky and smelled strongly of smoke. I was in the window seat and the wall window became hot to the touch. The scariest part was that the flight attendants were clearly panicking. They were running up and down the aisles frantically feeling all of the overhead bins for something on fire. They asked us repeatedly to check our devices to make sure nothing was overheating. People were having panic attacks and I started wondering what it would feel like to die how it would happen. The pilot announced that we were close enough to the airport that we were going to continue. About 15-20 minutes and have an emergency landing. When we landed, the runway was lined with fire trucks, ambulances and rescue vehicles. They didn't let us off of the plane for quite some time. Ultimately, firefighters boarded and ushered us off. They never told us what happened. I had to fly back. Same airline. Two days later, while checking my bags, the employee said OMG you were on that flight, that was bad. He gave us a $15 in flight credit and told us to call the airline for more compensation. Never did, but I still wonder what happened. Yeah, that's bad. There are multiple cases of in-flight fires, and they tend to not end well. It's a good thing whatever was overheating didn't fully combust. 
not quite as exciting as the others, but I nearly had a bird strike with what I believe to be an eagle while flying a very small DA-40 and on final. It's wild how something that appears to be so small can be massive and in your face in the matter of a second. Thunderstorms on either side when I was in a Cessna 152, a bit smaller than a C-172. They developed pretty quickly and we thought we'd have to turn back, but there was a big enough opening to fly through. The windshield got nice and clean too. Another one was seeing the engine start shaking when a part of the oil system blew. I thought it would die on me and I would have to land in some farmland or on a small road. Fortunately we ended up being stuck with one power setting, which was also pretty bad, and could fly it back to the airport. Oh one more. Flying out of Palomar Airport and the old Codgery World War 2 pilot that was teaching my to fly says it's time to do touch and goes for an hour. So we land, I'm feeling good cause I can land a plane. I get in the pattern, tell tower this is Cessna XXX and the pattern for touch and goes and they are talking me around. Slow day so getting a lot of practice so there was hardly any sweat. An emergency forced them to continue me on the downwind leg and wait for instructions. Only no instructions come for about 10 minutes. I'm out of the pattern now and can see the old drag strip so know where I am. Called in and tower was kinda mad probably at themselves, turned me around and got me landed and told me that was enough touch and goes for the day. Instructor was eating lunch in the airport eatery and was a little worried too. A black dot right in front of me that was not moving. At the time I was working on my commercial license in a 172 on about an 8 mile final. I was checking my instruments while on approach and when I looked up I saw a black dot that didn't show any relative movement and in a split second I realized that I'm going to hit it so I pushed the yoke forward as fast as I could. About 1-2 seconds later a bird went right above me. Final approach flying a Cessna 172 and pulled power back a little to maintain glide slope. The engine started to cut out completely and the prop started to move a little too slowly for my liking at that moment. Recovered with power and landed normally but had to have it looked into. To borrow my late uncle's story he confided to me. He had a 182 on floats. And on several occasions was happy to play family airline so that various relatives could make weddings and other events that were just too far for driving and overnighting. One trip was from. Home base. Vancouver to Kamloops in the interior. He flew VFR and it was a pretty simple task to head out up the Fraser Valley until it pinched off at the town of Hope. At that point there is a notch in the wall of mountains through which the Coquihalla, both river and highway 5, goes. From there, following HWY, 5 Northeast brings you straight into Kamloops, their destination that day, probably a 200 mile flight, the morning flight up went fine, the three passengers went to their event, and come afternoon's end. They headed back in what were supposed to be clear skies, supposed, flying the reverse route. Clouds began to form quickly on the forested sides of the valley, and soon rolled over the small plane. He was fairly confident of his heading, and stuck to it as the sky whited out. It was all he could do in a day without sat-nav equipment. If he was off by only a few degrees, they'd fly right into a mountainside. His passengers seemed to take no notice, engaged as they were in recounting the day's events. Trying to climb above the cloud was just as dangerous. Small single engine Cessnas are not pressurized, and even if it tops at, say, 6000 feet, the last thing he wanted was to pop out on top of what might be a white surface as far as the eye could see. If he could drop down once past hope, 
there was a good chance of flying under the soup back to Vancouver. It was, he said, the only time he was really scared in his airplane. The miles ticked away, they should be nearing hope. He never saw it. Suddenly the clouds scattered and before him spread the valley under a high ceiling. He'd threaded the needle, and been right not to chance climbing. They landed at the south airport, and no one even commented about the can of paint they'd flown through. Didn't make me want to be a pilot. Not a pilot but a skydiver. We called to clear the airspace over the airport for a jump and then made our jump run. I was in free fall when I saw a small land below me and then it rapidly grew larger. I quickly realized a student pilot out of a nearby flight school didn't know enough to clear the airspace and I flew past his wing at terminal velocity. Just a small difference and I would have ripped right through that little Cessna. I landed without incident but I'm certain the pilot never even knew how close he came to death that day. There's a story up a bit about just about the same thing. The wood from the pilot's pov. Not a pilot but my dad is. Private pilot. He's got a Cessna 172. One time we were flying into this tiny airport, owned and run by this one guy. We were flying in pattern, waiting to land because there was a plane taking off. The plane didn't make it. I remember my dad describing the air being thin. It took off, started to climb and then suddenly dropped like a rock. They crashed. The pilot, a man, died on the scene. His wife at least made it to the hospital. We didn't find out what happened after that. They were an older couple, and the parents of the owner of the airport. They had been visiting him. He was the one working comms when it happened. I vividly remember the way the plane dropped, and the smoke fire in the fire truck's ambulance. The wait to land, watching the smoke rise and the awful broken up communication. Fox on the middle of the runway laying on its back and sunbathing, while I'm headed straight towards it on takeoff. Fox is okay, was still sunbathing and chilling. I saw a blimp from front on at the same altitude as me and had no idea what it was and freaked out over what that giant floating metallic sphere could be for a few minutes before realizing it was a blimp. It's kind of weird to think that there are only 25 blimps in active service around the world, and half of them being advertisement blimps. I would love to have traveled on one of the giant airships of the 30 IES. Just not on the last Hindenburg flight. On my first solo cross country, so my third time ever alone in an airplane, and cross country flights refer just to a flight from one airport to another, not like all the way across the country. The conditions were pretty good when I took off, and at the surface they were good, but a little higher up the forecasted thunderstorms started developing a little earlier than forecasted. The whole way out there it was good, some cumulus clouds for sure and plenty of thermals given how turbulent it was, but none of that is very notable for a August afternoon. By the time I had landed, taxied back, departed, and started on my way home they had definitely started to at least get pretty tall. I ended up flying under what was most likely a developing thunderstorm on my third solo. It was well clear in terms of cloud clearance and it wasn't more developed than some big grey clouds but there wasn't really a good way around it since there was quite a lot of development in the area and going around would have resulted in a fairly significant deviation from my flight plan which obviously made me nervous on my first solo flight navigating. Everything worked out obviously, and I'm nearly to my private pilot's license now. But that was some added stress to an already stressful flight. Also came within probably 30 feet of one bald eagle, and 50 of another soaring together at 3500 feet. 
On one hand it is pretty awesome to see such a cool creature way up there doing its thing. On the other a huge bird like that versus my little piper warrior wouldn't have ended well for anyone involved. Funny enough that was actually on one of my preparation flights for my solo XC so I guess that was just an exciting route. I'm glad I don't have any really exciting stories yet though. Given how little flying time I have I would be really unlucky if I did lol. My father was a commercial pilot for over 35 years and has been flying for over 45. He has all kinds of wild stories which range from searching for debris after the Challenger disaster to the mayhem he endured as a pilot during the 9-11 attacks and even towing banners at the Jersey Shore. But the craziest story I've asked him to retell a million times took place off the coast of NSW in Australia in the late 1970s. His plane and crew were in a traffic pattern and were delayed landing because there was quite literally an unidentified flying object on the radar that the tower was tracking. For a while they just circled around in this pattern waiting for other planes to land before they could enter the landing pattern and lo and behold, the crew eventually got a direction of where this thing was and when they looked out their windows they could see a cigar shaped craft moving very slowly at about their same altitude. Upon seeing this, all of the crew and passengers who could see it audibly gasped and my dad says that was the most disturbing part. Anyway, eventually it went off scope and they got the all clear to land and nothing more came of it but it was always my favorite story as a kid to hear from my pops. Not a pilot, but I've personally witnessed an oh crap moment. I was up at a rather nice kids camp one summer installing some access control, locks, card swipes, cameras, etc. It was situated on a rather large lake. There was also a fire nearby. One day I hear a bomber coming in for a refill. I should also note that this lake has zip lines going across it. Well marked ones that a pilot should be able to see from the air. The pilot saw it when it was almost too late. I've never seen a bird that large climb that fast. Was on an L-1011 flying back to Atlanta. We circled Atlanta forever it seemed. Then the co-pilot walks down my aisle. Opens a hatch in the floor beside me and starts cranking the crap out of a handle. He looked up at me and said, the landing gear wouldn't go down. I said, good to know. I've been pretty lucky in my short piloting career, only around 60 hours as of right now, and I'm still in training. The scariest thing I've seen is a bald eagle about 8 featuring from my left wingtip. It was only 8 featuring from the wingtip because me and my instructor dove and rolled the plane as soon as possible. Those large birds are a serious hazard to small aircraft. I was in a Cessna 172S. Be careful of your animal pilots. I was a passenger in a helicopter that was attacked by a bald eagle. All of a sudden we were sideways in the air with the pilot swearing his face off at the bird. Straightened out and finished the trip. Apparently it happens a lot at that base. Sandspit in Hidegwei. My brother is learning how to fly and I've gone up with him once to do touch and goes. The thing I remember is them talking about where to crash land if we lose power. Something I didn't really prepare myself for but I guess it's an airplane so we gotta do something. If you are new to the channel, you can subscribe. I publish new videos every day. Until then, check another video.
Bye for now.